Muslim Chat presents Heroes of Islam, a 30-part series on the lives of some of the greatest Muslims to walk this earth. الذي هدانا للإيمان وفضلا وفضل ديننا على سائر الأديان والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد الذي أرسله الله هديا ومبشرا ونذيرا Alright, so today we'll be talking about Hassan al-Basri and how he was revolutionary in changing not just one aspect of a society but every aspect Imam al-Ghazali mentions that Hassan al-Basri had the most similar speech to the Prophet So, when he was young, he was in the company of Umm Salima and all of the wives of the Prophet because both of his parents were slaves of Sahaba, so his father is named Yassar, so his full name is Al-Hassan ibn Yassar. And Yassar was the freed slave of Zayd ibn Thabit. And his mother was the slave of Umm Salim. So because of this, he was brought up in an environment of virtue and taqwa. So there wasn't any lack of upbringing on his part. He was born in the year 21 after Hijrah, and it is narrated with the Mursal Isnad that the Sahaba were invited to his birth. And at the time, Umar ibn al-Khattab came over and he made a dua for him and said that, may Allah give him understanding of the deen and make him beloved to the people. So at a young age, he would be with Um Salima quite a bit, so whenever she had some chores to do, she would send him out or get him around the house. So he ended up narrating quite a bit of her sayings and the hadith and whatnot from what she observed of the Prophet Later on in his life, it was asked that, you know, what, what was one thing that you could say that affected you in a positive way? And he says it was because he was born in 21 after Hijrah and there was two years left of the reign of Umar ibn al-Khattab. He said it was the two years that in the reign of Umar ibn al-Khattab that helped me to become what I am, like increased me in virtue. When he was uh, young, he used to be in Medina and around that place and he used to go to the khutbah at the Jum'ah khutbah of Uthman ibn Affan. He narrated from a lot of the Sahaba such as Abdullah ibn Abbas and the likes of Um Salim as well and Uthman ibn Affan yet he was young at that time though. By the age of 14 he had memorized the Quran and then his family had moved to Basra by that time. And that is when he started to study under other ulama as well. And that was where his main teacher, Abdullah ibn Abbas, was at the time. Hamad ibn Salma says that Al-Hassan used to have like a yellowish type of beard. Abu Burda ibn Abi Musa al-Ashari says that 
I have not seen anyone resemble the Sahaba like Al-Hasan al-Basri, even though he never met the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It is said that whenever he spoke, he only spoke of the Akhirah, not of the dunya. He had a very, you could say, a very um, a heart that was just only attached to Akhirah, not dunya in any way. The love the people had for him was such great that if they knew that a person was going to go to Basra, they would say, when you meet the most elegant looking man and the one who has the greatest Heba, now Heba is like a presence that humbles people around you. So it's a great presence that causes everyone to become in awe of you in amazement. So it has come from Abu Hamir al-Sha'bi that he said to a man that was going to Basra that when you go there, look for a man who's going to be the most elegant, the most majestic amongst them, and the one with the most haiba. Give him my salam, for indeed he is Hassan al-Basri. He had, he had very much engrossed himself in the learning of the deen such that there was not a subject except that he could speak on it. So it is said that when someone would ask him about tafsir, he would give a complete tafsir. When someone would ask him a hadith, he could narrate on almost any subject. He has many marasil though, because even though I did get to meet a lot of the Sahaba, he met most of them when he was young. So a lot of the hadith he narrates from some of the Sahaba are in form of Mursal, so it's not him directly narrating, it's like he narrates from a Shabi who narrated from a Sahabi, or he narrates from Al-Qama ibn Waqqas who narrated from a Sahabi. Muhammad ibn Sa'ad describes him as being one with combination of good attributes, like complete combination. He was an alim, he was like above the people, he was a faqih, and he was mutqin in hadith, so he could narrate very well. A man once came to Hassan al-Basri and said to him, I complain to you of a hard, hard heart. So Hassan al-Basri says, remember Allah and engross your heart in that. For indeed, the hearts die and they're alive and up. Another time, Al-Hassan al-Basri, he could also read the situation of a society very well. So he once said to people that if it were not for the munafiqeen amongst you, you would feel very lonely in the streets. Meaning a lot of you people are very double-faced. You have... Iman on the outside, but internally you're very, you could say, messed up in a way. And he would also, even though he was very kind and nice, sometimes you would really strike the mark and say, what is the matter with you? It could be that your death has been announced and you are playing. But majority of the time he was very kind and very 
calm with the people and that's what caused him to become beloved to the people. And this is one of the best forms of da'wah that you have a calm demeanor with the people. That doesn't mean he wasn't ever harsh. He had some very harsh words on people at times and zanadiqa, he would like curse them at times too and say very harsh words. But when it came to the awam who were not very learned of the deen and they wanted advice and nasiha, he would never give them a coarse remark and say, oh, you're dumb. You don't know the deen. Everyone knows this stuff. Al-Qamim ibn Marathad may said about him, he is one of the best from the Zuhad of the Tabi'een. And also despite this, he was also quite fearless. So if he had to confront any kind of authority, he would confront it straightforward and say what he had to be said. That's why it was said, Hisham ibn Hassan said about him that he was the most bravest of people in courage. <clears throat> One time Yazid ibn Abdul Malik gave an order to the governors. And one of the, the governor at the time in Iraq was Umar ibn Hubayra. And he comes to Al-Hassan al-Basri and al-Sha'bi. And, and of course, al-Sha'bi is older, so Al-Hassan al-Basri, out of the respect he had at the time, it was a custom that you would never, out of respect, speak when there is someone who's older and more senior than you in knowledge. This was just an adab of the time. So Umar ibn Hubayra says that, uh, to them is like, so the Amir al-Mu'minin has given me an order, and if I were to obey him in this order, I would definitely disobey Allah. So Sha'bi says, you can't obey him. You have to disobey him, and in disobeying him, you obey Allah, and so you must do that. So Umar ibn Hubayra turns to Hassan al-Basri and says, oh, what do you think? Hassan says, are you not satisfied with the answer of a Sha'bi? He gave the right answer. So it says, but, but what do you say? He says, okay, I'll answer. He says, oh, governor, Umar ibn Habayrad, an angel among the angels of Allah almost descends to you in harshness. Do not disobey Allah's command, for you shall be extracted from the vastness of your palace and thrust into confinement of your grave. So he's saying like, it doesn't matter what you know, you're given in this dunya. So you have a palace in this dunya. It doesn't matter. One day you're going to die and you'll have to stand in front of Allah. So that minor minor enjoyment you get from disobeying Allah and obeying Yazid ibn Abdul Malik will just land you in an eternity of torment and doom. It was said that when you would look at Hassan al-Basri, you would see a man not from dunya. He would be like a man from the Akhirah. One time he was passing by some people and they were arguing and just continuously just debating and going back and forth. So he turns to, the, turns to his other companion and says that, these are people who have become bored with worship. 
So they resorted to just argumentation and talking all day. Now, for us, the fasir on the Quran, it was always about the akhirah, never about dunya, even when it would look very from the Zahir of the ayah, it would look like we're talking about the dunya. He would always turn it towards something to the akhirah. So it is said that about the dua, Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirah hasana wa qani'adna bin nar. So Hassan al-Basri said that the khair in this dunya is actually ibadah and the remembrance of Allah and the knowledge of deen. And the khair in the akhirah is jannah. So it was always a complete cycle of the Akhirah. He only ever cared about dunya to gain the Akhirah. That was his main purpose in life. Ibn al-Jawzi mentions uh, a little statement that you know, whoever is satisfied with vegetables and bread, then he will never be in need of people and he will never be subjugated to them. So he's saying that whoever is satisfied with the little of the dunya, he will be not subjugated by the masses. So one time a Bedouin passed by Basra and he says, who is the master? Like when they say master, I mean like, who is the Sayyid or the most respected person in the city? They said Al-Hassan al-Basri. So I said, how did he become the most respected person or the master of the city? They said, he was not in need of the dunya that people possessed, but they were in need of his knowledge. Hamid and Yunus ibn Ubaid said that we have never met a man more decent and courteous than Hassan al-Basri. But despite all this, he was a very calm and very humble person that many times you would just start to cry out of the fear of Allah and he would be asked why are you crying and he says Allah may throw me in the fire of hell and it will not matter I'm, I'm a nobody when, whenever he would go advising people he would say that oh people I advise you but I'm not the best amongst you and I may not and it is true that I'm not even close to the best amongst you because I've surpassed the limits of Allah many times. But then he would say that if it were not for that we advise each other, then no one would advise. <clears throat> His kunya was Abu Sa'id and this was what he was mentioned by many times. Many, th It is very common that Nowadays, we just hear his quotes and we see Hassan al-Basri said this and Hassan al-Basri said this. But in his time when he was ever talked to, he was always referred to as Abu Sa'id. So let us just take a look at how he became what he became. You can talk about him and his advice to Umar ibn Abdul Aziz and his changing of the society and his great statements forever and ever. It's, it's never ending. His life is so great and filled with so many gems that you can just keep on going for it. But what made him so fantastic in this regard? He was firstly a muttaqi. 
He had amazing taqwa. He would always say that I do not take a step except I think, is it going to be in favor of me on the Day of Judgment or is it going to be against me on the Day of Judgment? So with such taqwa and such awareness of the akhirah, you can only imagine what would happen to such a person. He would never speak anything that would lead him into the fire of hell. He would never look at haram. He would never listen to haram. He would never even, let alone listen or look, he would never even think towards the disobedience of Allah Azza wa Jal. He was also engrossed in recitation of the Quran. Whenever he was asked a subject or not a subject, whenever he was asked about an ayah from the Quran, it was as if it was fresh in his mind and he could give many tafasir. And this is a gem that is in many ulama of the past that through their obedience to Allah, they were able to see things in ayat that the normal awam will never see. We read an ayah and we think, oh, the meaning is this, the plain and clear meaning. But the ulama, like if you read about like Ibn al-Qayyim or even Ibn al-Rajab and those who even came after Hassan al-Basri, you would see that they had a very interesting way of looking at an ayah. They would not look at just the surface, they would look below it. They would see that it is a more holistic concept than just one single ayah. So if they look at the ayah about At-Tabi'una wal-Abiduna, Hassan al-Basri said, that this, these people who are repenting and obedient, their repentance is from kufr, and their obedience is by having bara'a from, or disassociation from nifaq. So once they became Muslim, their obedience became that they would never dilute their iman with kufr or any kind of nifaq. But to us, we would just think, oh, repenters and obedient people, so they just pray a lot, that's good. But Hassan al-Basri had a very interesting and holistic approach that he would combine between the two. It is also from his amazing demeanor that he could get the respect and the love of people. He would never insult anyone. He would never degrade anyone. Whenever they, whoever it may be, whether it be the old sheikh or whether it be the young kid, whenever they came to him for advice, very nice. But whenever it came to people who were against the deen, who were distorting the deen, then he never held back. Then he said what it had to be said, that you are Aduullah, you are from Iblis, you are from the worst of people. And that is fine in the sense that he can see that this person he has no desire for guidance he has no desire to even come to the truth he just wants to fabricate the the deen for his desires so why even bother with trying to give sound advice to him and i want to say this or i want to conclude with this when we look at his life that it is not the actions of a people alone that make them great, but rather it is something in the heart. So the Sahaba, if you look at them, some of them were granted Jannah. But when they were granted Jannah, they were not like 
they didn't go back to becoming sinners and disobeying Allah 24 7. They started to worship Allah more. So it is not through actions alone that a person gains a high rank in the sight of Allah. It is through something in their hearts. And that is why Bakr ibn Abdullah al Muzani said that Abu Bakr al Siddiq did not become at the rank he became because of his outward actions. Even though he had every good deed we could imagine on the planet. In one day he could do every good deed that is humanly possible. But rather, it was something in his heart. And this is the case with all of the righteous people. That they become beloved and accepted in the hearts of the righteous Muslims that came after them. Not just because of their outward actions, but because of their sincerity and their private acts of worship. Hassan al-Basri, though we don't see many like accounts of him worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it is still like recorded that he used to, he, that there is an incident, some have said that this happened with Malik ibn Dinar, but some have said it happened with Hassan al-Basri, that once a robber came to his house in the middle of the night, and Hassan al-Basri being the Zahid, he, has, he doesn't have much of anything from the dunya. So the robber... He's like standing there looking for something to rob, doesn't see anything. So Al-Hassan finishes his salah and he says, uh, how may I help you? What do you want? It's like, I came to rob you, but you have nothing. It's like, yeah, Al-Hassan is like, no, I have, I have a lot actually, but uh, you have to do what I say to get it. So then the robber says, okay, what do I have to do? He says, go make wudu and come and pray with me. So... Hassan al-Basri led him in tahajjud. And after giving salam, says, so did you find something? And the robber was crying after that. Says, the robber said that, I will never steal after this day again. <clears throat> now, how is it that someone just by two rakats of tahajjud could change someone's entire life? It is not the Qari, but the Qur'an. And it is not the outward actions, but the hearts that change people. From his students was Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani and Malik ibn Dinar and other of the great Zuhad, such as Muhammad bin Wasi. He also was good friends with Muhammad ibn Sirin. They would just have a very nice demeanor. And Muhammad al-Nusirin was oddly a parallel to Hassan al-Basri in character and attitude. Hassan would, wouldn't laugh much. Muhammad bin Sirin would laugh much. But both of them were great muttaqeen. They would pray a lot. They would be fasting throughout the days. He also had a very great stress on ibadah. Al-Hassan al-Basri said that a man would learn knowledge and it would be apparent in his actions, on his face, in his way, the way he would talk, the way he would walk. But today, sadly, it seems that knowledge has just become information stuffed in the head. May Allah protect us from arrogance. An interesting thing that he did before he died he said to the person writing his will that write down this 
bear witness that Al Hassan ibn Abdul Hassan, so Abdul Hassan is his father, bears witness that there is no God worthy of worship except Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger. Then he says that whoever testifies this truthfully and dies, then he will be in Jannah. And this is from a hadith from the Prophet وسلم, that whoever dies would saying La ilaha illallah from his heart with complete sadaq, with complete ikhlas. He will enter Jannah, inshallah. He died on the night of Jumu'ah, so the day before it is Jumu'ah in Rajab, in Basra, in the year 120. So he was 89 at the time. Oh, no, not 120, sorry, 110 after Hijrah. So he was 89 at the time when he died. It was said that his janazah was so large that people just kept coming for the entire next day to the extent that they did not even hold an Asr Salah in the main masjid as a congregation. They just prayed on their own because there wasn't enough people to even get the congregation to go so. They would just keep on coming and going in for his janazah. Uh, so what can we see from his life is that, yes, it may be impossible to become a Hassan al-Basri. That is true. We don't deny that. He was at a stature that is beyond what we could even reach. Although, the one who gave him that stature is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So is it not possible that if we were to try and if we were to just give away all, all that we have, wouldn't it be possible that we ought to reach a similar stature with the tawfiq of Allah? Because it wasn't Hassan alone. He wasn't like special in himself. It was Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gave him the tawfiq, the environment, the love, the ma'rifah, the taqwa, the wara the great desire for the Akhirah. So why is it that when we read about these people, we think, okay, they are the stars and we are on earth. We will just keep staring at them and never try to reach them. It is, it is narrated from some of the son of that they would pray in the night and whenever they would get very tired, they would say to themselves that the Sahaba think that they'll beat, beat us by a lot. Meaning, do they think that you know, they'll be way ahead of us and we'll just, you know, lag behind and not try to reach them. No. And this is the thing, even the Hassan al-Basri, you know, the Prophet sallam, Abu Burda ibn Abi Musa al-Ash'ari, who, whose father is a Sahabi, says that he resembled the Sahaba so much that there was no one that resembled the Sahaba like him. And this is the way we should be taking the approach that we don't settle for what is just the bare minimum. This has become a sad reality that many times we say, okay, I'm a good enough Muslim with the five daily salawats, the fasting of Ramadan, few good deeds here and there, and we just get satisfied with that.
And what has come from him in terms of tafsir and a hadith and his wise sayings. And may Allah give us a tawfiq to follow in the path of the righteous like him and those who came before him and after him. May Allah alleviate the suffering of the Muslimin in every corner of the globe, grant them the freedom to practice their deen with safety and security. Ameen. And with that, we will just end it off. This was produced by the Muslim Chat Discord server, the best online forum run on the principles of the Quran and Sunnah. Find out more and join now at www.muslim.chat. <laughs>